1: Hi, hello and welcome to another episode of All Policy. I'm Harshit Kukreja and today as a guest, we have Mehak Radkani who is my colleague at Takashita and works at Policy School. So Mehak, how are you?
0: I'm good, Harshit. How are you?
1: All good, all good. So Mehak, before we start, could you like tell us about our GCPP courses?
0: Yeah. So I know listeners would have heard this before in the previous episodes, but someone who is tuning up for our episode for the first time, I'd like to tell them that Takshashila Institution runs these 12-week cohort-based courses in public policy. And we have three streams running around. First is advanced public policy. Second is tech and policy. And the third is defense and foreign affairs. So the applications for next cohort are now open. And the last date to submit the application is 30th of April and the next cohort begins from 7th of May. And for further details, please uh, check school.takshashila.org That was a
1: full-blown brand integration, like Yes, marketing. <laughs> so today, in this podcast we'll talk about water scarcity. We'll talk about how water scarcity links to gender and education in India. So May the planet is getting warmer, extreme weather events are getting more common. And I think we are looking at a changed future in which water consumption patterns are also changing and water, how water is distributed throughout the globe is changing. So how will this scenario affect India as a country?
0: First of all, we need to realize that water crisis and uh Extreme weather patterns and which lead to water crisis also is a global phenomenon. But at the same time, we need to realize that there are countries and there are populations which get deeply impacted with the water crisis. Of course, developed countries have better access to more resources and they have better uh, resources to use their uh, water efficiently. India, which has a larger population and which also has limited amount of water resources, is of course going towards. Uh, Magnificent, not a magnificent, a major water crisis. We know we have heard cases of Chennai every year facing a water crisis. People have to stand in lines for just a bucket of water, and that's of course common in a lot of parts of the country. We know drought events are becoming more and more prone. They are um, more and more if they're happening in a larger, uh, more frequently, and for a larger point of time. And we know even like uh, the rainfall patterns are changing. So. Even if we think about things like rainwater harvesting or water consumption or water protection, it's not happening at the moment. I read a
1: Niti Ayaan report. It painted quite a bleak picture. It said that by 2030, India's water demand will be two times its supply. So we'll have a demand which is two times what we have. So that sounds super scary. So do you think how plausible is that how... Or will we make some changes to our consumption and some changes to how we use water?
0: See, what you were talking about talks about behavioral change, human behavioral change, and we have seen it in history. It's a difficult thing to do, and especially when the population is growing, people's demands and needs for water are growing. So I think it's very, very possible that the demands will increase to whatever time than it's now, and we'll have a situation where a large population of people of course people who cannot afford water will probably become costlier or there will be some here and there taxes on it so we know that people who would not who particularly belong to a certain economic status of the society will not be able to afford water and that's how it will impact them the most I'm not saying it will not impact the people from other society it's a problem that will affect one and all at least someday but I think the population which which are more vulnerable because of whatever economic, societal discrimination will be more affected with water crisis in very near future, and we are seeing it also. And I think in towards the end of the podcast, we'll also realize how water is actually related to class and caste and gender, and how all of these social hierarchies play an important role.
1: Uh, I get your point about water affecting. The vulnerable population, the vulnerable strata more as compared to the other people. But yeah, uh, that's all right. That that is what I get. But what I wanted to ask is, do you see a question in which what predictions we are making? What prediction government Niti Aayog is basically government think that. So what Niti Aayog is making, and that is somewhere around six seven years. So if we have two times the demand, if the supply is like half the demand. I think it would not only affect, it will, maybe the poor will find it very difficult to survive in this country.
0: Of course, of course. And of course, we know water is basic and it's a necessity for to survive. And in coming years, since there are more climate-prone events and of course, we know the water sources are redu- drinking waterable water sources are reducing day by day. So we know that in coming future, there will be a crisis and there will be a large number of people from the country who will be suffering from it. So, I think what the report also wants to talk about it, that right now is the time to act. And I also believe that uh, at that moment, and I don't want to si- sound very uh, pessimistic about the fact, but I think climate change and the consequences of it is a very inevitable phenomenon. It has to happen. What currently we can do is probably delay that consequence.
1: I think I did secure that. So do you remember the ozone crisis. When we were yes, looking at yes, a very real possibility of an increasing sort of a ozone hole, and we were using CFCs, we were using a lot of compounds which were directly responsible for depletion of ozone, and all kinds of predictions were made that how the half the globe will not have ozone layer maybe six months in the year, and how it will change how humanity like survives and everything else. But we saved the ozone. Uh, I think it's now closed a lot. It uh, only opened two, three months a so year, the ozone hole. And that too, the size had decreased and it is now limited to somewhere, I don't remember, I'm not very sure, but I think somewhere around Antarctica, the South Pole. So the, I
0: think. Uh, I think, Harshit, what you are talking about right now is a very limited consequence. What I was referring to in general was like consequences of climate change and. We know that over the decades, we have digressed and we have crossed most planetary boundaries. We know that there are now more limited sources of water. Of course, we have found a ways around all of these things and we are trying new technologies to figure out. But we're still at that point and stage where we cannot make water. And there have been experiments which have been done in other countries through clouds or through other things. But I think it's still not possible. So what I am trying to say is that... We live, we are in an epoch. We live, uh, these are anthropogenic activities which have been happening for over centuries now and we have done enough destruction. So, of course, the climate and nature is also going towards another level of equilibrium and it's trying to achieve that. I think what we need to do at the moment is trying to uh, stop that equilibrium happening from now because if nature goes to one point of balance and it's very difficult to reverse it back. But I think we will never be able to Go back to what we were at the moment, and now what we can, we should uh, move towards is probably delaying the consequences and blowing down the temp- global temperature.
1: No, Meg. I obviously I agree with you that obviously the conditions will change, nature, sort of everything. Uh, the temperatures will stabilize in accordance with in what we emit. But what I meant to say was that we have uh, when we started the podcast. It was we had painted a very big picture. So I was just pointing out to our uh, humanity's sort of recent successes in reversing or changing inevitable futures.
0: So obviously... No, I, thought I was hinting like that. We know there is a day each year when we decide, okay, we have used all of our Earth's resources for that particular year. Earlier that, the date used to be in September and October. Now it's actually preponing and every year we are seeing it in uh, probably July last even like in during COVID in 2020 but for a couple of months we we said that okay air pollution levels oh, were declining and now of course it's gotten back but even in that year we achieve oh, we actually exhausted all of earth's resources for that particular year by the end of August yeah. or July and I think whatever we use for the last couple of months it's what we are borrowing from the next year or probably borrowing from the future generations. So what I am saying, what I want to hint, that climate change is a very real phenomenon. It's happening and now it's the time to act and probably create a, build a better sustainable future for upcoming generations.
1: Yeah, it's like high time. We do have to act. But yeah, we have to plan mitigation strategies. We'll have to yes, see yes. how we can reduce our consumption, see how we can better Correct. use water. Yeah, that is
0: a, that. And I think you very... mentioned a very good point that we don't have to adapt; we have to mitigate, and yeah. uh, that's the right word that I keep saying to everyone. It's everyone keeps saying that we need to adapt to whatever is happening, and I was like, more than adaptation, mitigation is better way of going about it.
1: Yeah. For, for instance, if you look at water crisis, you cannot because we have national boundaries, and we, from the last few thousand years, humans have settled in uh, at places. We cannot move according to changing water patterns or rainfall patterns. That is very difficult with the huge population we have. And if we cannot say that Tekken area, the Nagpur area now has less rainfall, let us move all these people or the people would say, let us move upwards to the north or downwards to the south. That is not yeah. plausible. And Correct. That is I not- mean,
0: yeah, I was saying climate change consequences are not similar. I know everyone keeps saying that global temperatures are rising, which is true, which is actually true it's happening across the world but I think also climate change consequences are very different from one geography to another like a lot of places in India are becoming more drought prone but we also know that and the temperatures are rising it's becoming even like places in India which didn't need AC at one point in time are now needing AC and so that so the temperature rise, but we also know that a lot of places in Europe will probably go towards a ice age and that will be a ultimate consequence of climate change. So the consequences are different and I think we have to think and act locally also so that the consequences are visible uh, globally. So that's the point I wanted to make.
1: That is, yeah. So coming back to the water crisis, so when you look at urban lab or a rural area, You'll whenever you'll go and whenever you'll leave, you'll see that all pictures of people carrying water have women up there. There's no male member carrying water. There's always a female, the family, maybe a teenager, or maybe someone as young as nine or ten, and they'll have a utensil, a matka or something, which will they'll have in their hand or on their head. So it's a very even. Looking at those pictures, you can see that water crisis and water availability is and will disproportionately affect women because they have the primary responsibility of collecting water for household they basically have the responsibility of household chores so that translates somewhere into the responsibility of getting water
0: that's true like Fetching water for both individual and the household needs has always been a gendered task. And it's not only true for India, it also holds true for all developing nations across the world that fetching water, uh, walking kilometers every day is a task which is given to women and girls. And uh, now that we know that climate change is happening and the uh, sources of water are becoming more further from the household, so we know that it is the women and these young girls who have to walk more and more kilometers every day and spend hours walking to get that water. And there have been, of course, various studies. And even if you see that the latest census, which was done in 2011, you could still see that the uh, there is still a lot of distance between the household and the nearest source of water. And past 10-12 years, of course, there have been a lot of initiatives and schemes made by the government to provide drinking potable water to the nearest point as possible. But there are still places in India where women walk kilometers every day, spend hours every day to get that water. And even after spending so much time and energy, there's no complete possibility that the water that they get is very clean. course, the possibilities are always very slim. And I think we also know that carrying waters for water for hours and carrying pots for hours is a very physically draining process. And it, of course, impacts the energy levels of these women and girls carrying. So they're not able to spend their time on other things, which are probably also important for their individual and holistic development. So, Mehak, one thing I would like to point out. So the water scarcity
1: we have been facing, even if climate change was not there, we would still be facing this because we are consuming yeah. more, and consumption patterns are changing. And we are not we do not adjust to local conditions. For instance, we grow rice at places which have droughts. So that does not make sense. If you are growing crops which are so that demand so much water at a place which has no water, that is not a very rational thing to do. So even if there was no climate change, we would have been facing a water crisis and. There are a lot of places in India which have seasonal droughts. That is like the situation at that place for thousands of years. But people who lived there earlier, who lived, sort of traveled from one place to another according to the change in temperatures and water availability, they had adapted that. But because of growing populations and people settling down and introduction of agriculture, we do not have that thing. Now, people don't usually, a small minority does. But I think almost all of the population of the country is settled in one place. People don't move, no longer move according to changes in weather and stuff.
0: I think, Harshit, first of all, that's a very general statement to make. I know there are a lot of tribes which still do shifting on a seasonal basis.
1: I said mostly. Uh, I don't think tribes make, the tribes which change their, places according to climate, according to change in weather patterns. I don't think they make more than 5-7% of the whole population. They do not Also,
0: I think we also were talking about how climate change is inducing more and more droughts and that's why the sources of water are getting further from the house. Of course, there have been a lot of talk about the area of Kachin, Gujarat it has been a drought-prone area forever. It's not like droughts have become common as of now. It has been there and people had gotten used to it. And they also, that's why they don't grow a lot of water inducing crops. They only grow crops which need hardly any water.
1: Meg, there are a lot of places which the weather is uh, such that they have some seasons of drought. That is not, I, I think, Kutch, the increasing droughts in Kutch are mainly because of human activity and obviously because of climate change. But there are a lot of areas, of, or for instance, Kutch also has some or weeks, or I think some months, where there is lack of water, and That is, has been there for like hundreds of years. That is not because Exactly,
0: of that's my point. Human. No, exactly, that's my point. And that's what no, I no. said. Kutch has been facing drought forever. It's not like Kutch is facing drought for now. But I am. what I am saying is, I'm not saying droughts are the only reason. I am just saying climate change is inducing droughts. And which also leads to limited water sources and the population is increasing. So we know that the distance between the household and the nearest yeah. source of food, portable drinking water, is increasing. Yeah. And that's why, since fetching water or carrying water pots is a gender-based task, that's what I'm saying. Water scarcity impacts women in the ways that it doesn't impact men in those ways. That was my point that and The energy and the time that they spend in getting this water for their individual and the domestic needs. They don't have time or energy left for other things, which I was coming to the next point, was the school education. Since young girls end up getting this responsibility of carrying water pots and whatever time they have, it's spent there. They don't get a chance to probably go to school. And even if they're enrolled in school, and that's why we uh, know that there have been studies which show that there is a lot of absenteeism and there is a lot of school dropout of girls. So water crisis impacts gender in more than one way that we can imagine.
1: Yeah, obviously. So previously, maybe what a teenager, a teenage girl spent four hours getting water for her house. Now she has to spend six hours. And she gets she has to travel more. She has to carry those heavy utensils filled with water. So she gets tired, she's not able to concentrate. And you cannot expect people to own oh, lack basic facilities like drinking water and water access in general to have that kind of superhuman energy and focus and go to school and work and Yeah. That is not expected of people. Obviously and even when the girls it.
0: are very young and mothers actually travel to uh, get water we know that these young girls are put in responsibility of taking care of the infants or even younger children or probably even cattles so we know that whatever responsibility then it falls on the girls and that's why even from a young age it's very difficult from for them to attend these schools regularly which also denies them and deprives them of an opportunity to make a better future for themselves because education we all know is one of the biggest supplements for one's growth and development.
1: So it's a double whammy. Either you go and get water and you cannot study, or either you stay at home and take care of your younger yeah. siblings or the household. Yeah. So that is how water is impacting. Water scarcity is impacting girls' education. So before we continue, make I think we should take a short break. So listeners will continue this discussion after a short break. Hi, 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 welcome back. We were talking about how water scarcity affects women disproportionately and how it is leading to girls dropping out of school, not getting the education they need. So Meg, before the break, we were talking about girls and school. So uh, what other points or what other ways do you think that water scarcity is leading to sort of like this result that girls are dropping out and not able to go to school?
0: Yeah, of course. Uh, one of the reasons that we've discussed before is, of course, that is possibility of fetching water. But the other problem that girls face is at school. We know that we want to achieve maximum number of girls, a goal of maximum number of girls attaining education and going to school at least till a certain age. But we know that to ensure that we need to have proper water and sanitation facilities in schools across the country. But realistically, we have not achieved that. There are a lot of schools which don't have washroom. There are a lot of schools which do not have proper water facilities. And that has been, of course, a source of worry. And it has also been a point of discussion across decades. But we know that more and more schools are building toilets for girls and separate toilets for girls and boys. But there are still there's a still a percent, a huge percentage of schools which do not have those facilities and that's why girls refrain from going to school most particularly during their menstruation date but also in general because they have to face things like either they have to wait for their entire day to use the washroom and they cannot because there are no facilities at school also on the other hand they have to uh, they have no other alternative but just to go to open spaces and be involved in objectification, And which also have these consequences that they have to meet with shame. They ha- there's embarrassment, of course. And there is also always a threat of sexual harassment by external people. And uh, of course, uh, the best choice that they think for them is to stay at home. And that's how we observe that girls refrain from going out, going from school because of water and sanitation issues. And uh, sometimes even when there are uh, there is an availability of uh, toilets in school, they're not very clean. And we know that unclean or unhygienic toilets can lead to a lot of issues in girls. And they can suffer from UTI urinary tract infections. And which of course acts against their regular attendance. They eventually choose to drop out or be absent throughout. And that's how they don't get the education that is all.
1: So, make one important point that I would like to add. For instance, in a village which has like water, there's no water. Even if you build a toilet and it has no running water, it is likely of no use. So, building toilets is definitely an obviously important step. But maintaining them and getting water to them is even an important part of the process. Yeah, and yeah. that I think depends a lot for a, for a place which has in which people go ten kilometers to fetch water, nobody would be prioritizing toilets with running water in the village school or in that place. school. Well. That is an expectation. But
0: can we places which where people don't have to go and walk ten kilometers to fetch water, but they but have a sanitation yeah, problems uh, at schools?
1: Yeah, that is definitely. But what I'm saying is. Even if you make toilets, you will have to ensure water availability and water yeah. availability yeah. for the place as whole, water security for the place as whole. Only you can think of increasing water, ultimate aim of like such a conversation is increasing female participation in schools. That I fully agree. Yeah,
0: that's true. And that's why, since it's not prioritized, and I'm not saying that water needs for other people are not important. I'm just saying for whatever reason since these are not prioritized girls end up dropping out from schools so or being absent from school for days at a stretch and which becomes a hurdle in their individual development yeah so
1: like that is a very if you look at it from a very realistic viewpoint you will see that nobody will prioritize it's not about maybe the school nobody will prioritize the water supply to a toilet in a public space over water supply to the To people's home. So, in places which suffer from extreme droughts, in which the problem of dropouts and female participation in schools is like very less, the problem is like quite large and the female participation is very less, you'll have to ensure uh, availability for the whole place. So, for instance, the union government has consolidated all the schemes into a ministry of Jal Shakti and they plan to provide each rural household with safe tap drinking water by 2024. So that is a noble goal to aspire for. And that will obviously help in this issue, in the issue we are talking about. But that is sort of a very far away goal. And uh, I think there needs to be talks on, you were talking about, for instance, about availability of infrastructure and availability of infrastructure in schools and sanitary uh, washrooms and stuff like that. But I think we also need to work a lot. If we, even if we want to solve this problem of female dropout in school because of water scarcity, you will have to tackle the root cause. That is water scarcity.
0: Yes, definitely. Uh, it's
1: water scarcity. So agriculture, I think I read some reports. Agriculture somewhere around accounts for 80-85% of the water consumption on the country. And when you look at similar countries who grow similar crops, for instance, you look at China, you look at other Southeast Asian countries, basically Vietnam, not Southeast Asian countries, other countries such as Vietnam or Cambodia, in areas which have, for instance, same water availability, and you compare them to areas with, with same water patterns, like in India, you will see that we take more water to produce the same crops. Okay. And we also grow more water-intensive crops. That is one of the reasons for that is, uh, I think, certain government policies, for instance, the minimum support price for water-intensive crops. You should not give MSPs for rice in Punjab. Definitely,
0: and I think that's why most rural uh, parts of the country are suffering because of water crisis. Even in Punjab, Haryana, since there are a lot of water-intensive crops being grown, the farmers at the end of the day uh, are suffering and it's the people from the regions which are facing the issue of water crisis and that's one of the things that governments can look upon and it can better manage the MSPs for these water intensive crops.
1: Yes sir. You all uh, have to look at and you have to only like support crops which do not consume such resources and which are like locally based. You should not be supporting crops which use a lot of Water or are, are not ideal for that. Soil conditions and people and the farmer has to put a lot of fertilizers in that setting or that crop is like very sensitive to droughts. So all of those things have to be looked at. And groundwater, is, yes, the levels are dropping. So mm-hmm. what I've seen around me is that the Delhi government has had some success in water body rejuvenation. They are trying to convert like old lakes and dirty lakes into sort of catchment areas and they're trying to revive them. They have had some success Uh, and it is like super difficult nowadays, uh, at least in the area where I live, to get to dig a bore well or to get to tap into the groundwater without the explicit permission of the government. So that is a good thing and I think the level is slowly, I think it will rise and maybe this will help a lot.
0: Yeah, and I think It again comes back to the point that we have to uh, rejuvenate water, we have to uh, get into practices such as rainwater harvesting and that's only how we'll be able to maintain levels of groundwater and we'll be able to serve water to as many people as possible and since we have discussed all of the impacts that girls face and their education hurdles that they face due to water scarcity, I think that if we have to keep our girls in school and if we have to attain levels of literacy for girls across the country, we have to better manage our water crisis.
1: Yeah, it is like very important that you educate the female in the family because she is the one that will be taking care of the family, at least according to what the cultural law of the the present family structure is in the country. And that will have a very large impact on the, child's health on their economic condition so it's like very important to keep them in school
0: yeah that's true
1: so mehek do you want to add something before we close
0: i just want to add that water crisis is not a problem that can be solved in a day it of course will take time and we have to act upon us both short-term and long-term goals and uh, align into practices which will help us to uh, better manage our water resources and provide water to as many people as possible. This might take decades, but I think if we have to get on the right track of educational development for all people irrespective of gender, I think we have to better manage the crisis that we are facing and the crisis, water crisis that we're heading towards.
1: Yeah, uh, I uh, like... That is quite a valid point. But I don't think we should take decades for something like water scarcity. I think a timeline in years would be a much better goal to aspire to. So, Meg, thank you for being here with us. And thank you, listeners, for joining in. Hope to see you in the next episode of All Tech Policy.
0: Thank you so much.
1: If you liked our show,